Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. Hello, this podcast is about top tips for going on holiday when you are a history teacher. And this week we welcome special guest Rich Kennett, a history teacher from Bristol. Hi, Rich. Hi, ladies. Nice to be here. Hi, Helen. (laughs) Hi, Sal. So what we thought we'd do this week, since it's winter and everybody is thinking about their summer holidays, um, we and holidays just around the corner next week, it's half term, uh, we thought we'd give you our favourite places to go for when you want to do some really nerdy history stuff in your holidays. So we're each going to talk about our favourite kind of local places in um, in Britain and then national places to go and visit and then our favourite international places. So um who wants to start anybody want to start with a local place uh go on rich sock bristol to us fine i mean bristol is easily is the greatest city on earth anyway so it's easy for me to pick history being a debatable subject (laughs) it's but there is here there is one answer and the answer is bristol the world's greatest place but it's also a really good history city and to be honest there's an absolute wealth of history in the city but to me, the absolute shining jewel in the crown of Bristol's history is the SS Great Britain. If you don't know, and I'm sure that both of you do, it's Brunel's um, first metal hold ship. And there's an amazing museum um, next to it on the side of the docks. And then you can go onto the, onto the ship. I really thought it would be dead boring when I went for the first time. And I was amazed by how good the museum is and I've been amazed every single time I've been back. It's got really good layers of different levels of history. It's brilliant. You can engage on it in different ways. You can have a really academic tour or even better. And obviously I'm not, you won't be surprised by this either of you. You can have an audio um, like guide and the audio guide is a cat. And and that, and that to me is amazing. So, (laughs) okay. That's, Sold, sold to you. Yeah, well, York obviously being an, an even better city, um, we are completely spoilt for choice. Um, and you'll all have heard of the uh, Jorvik Centre. I'm sure you two have been, but actually the um, it's all been completely redone. So while we sort of said we were going to talk about less familiar places, I will mention that because it used to be that they would get you basically from the entrance to the shop in record time. And it was quite cynical, really. But the new revamped version is fab. Um, much more diversity in there. Uh, really interesting stuff about the archaeology. And they've recreated some of the uh, uh 
exhibits the the models to actually be some of the people whose bones they've got so that's really quite cool so that is definitely worth a trip but the big thing in york is is to walk around the walls and you can even now take in the rich the third and the henry the seventh museum in gateways as you go around and that's just just so much history packed in and if you want really really miserable stuff then out in the um suburbs there's a cold war bunker um which um yeah, full on miserabilism. 1980s trailers of all sorts of ways to uh, protect yourself in the event of nuclear war, like hiding under the stairs, which I always thought would be a particularly useless way of surviving nuclear winter. But anyway. Helen, I remember seeing the Orvik Centre open on Blue Peter when I was a child and the, the ring. And I've never been there. But the thing I clearly remember seeing on the telly was that it had different smells as it went around. Does it smell? <laughs> is that still there? Yeah, it still smells. It still smells. Excellent. It's great. Well, and if you go in the morning, it smells distinct. Right. OK, come and visit. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I remember going to the Orvik Centre when I was about six so yeah, I think it's I think it's probably time. You know, now I'm obviously in my twenties. It's probably time for me to uh, to be going back to the Yorvik Centre. So Come yeah, to road, road trip to York. But you know, um, so I, I I'm obviously living in Bristol as well. So um, I also think that Bristol is a great historical place. But just to throw a different place into the mix, I'm from Portsmouth originally, and that is a better city than either York or Bristol, um, because it has Portsmouth Historic Dockyard in it, um, and for many other reasons. Um, But that in particular is my favourite place to go and visit, especially the Mary Rose. Um, If you follow me on Twitter or have talked to me for any length of time about boats, then you may have heard me say that I feel like I grew up with the Mary Rose. It was raised um, from the bottom of the Solent when I was small. It's one of my earliest memories is seeing that row uh, raised from the bottom and now uh, she's kind of finished being sprayed and she's in her full glory um, they're doing some fantastic work in that museum um, it's just amazing um, stuff that they're doing and uh, Claire Barnes who's one of the education officers down there she's involved in the Black Tudors project with Miranda Kaufman so they're t- trying to do lots of things for schools and it is a really really good day out um, so if you're more interested in kind of modern things there's also the D-Day Museum that's why uh, D-Day celebrations always happened in Portsmouth and, and there was the, the kind of say, 75th anniversary last year um, took place in Portsmouth and, and another thing to re- that I really like about it is Palmerston's Follies so in the uh, 19th century Palmerston had a series of forts built to protect the city from um, the French and there are four out to sea I think it's four out to sea and six up on the hill so some of those still survive um site of some of my favorite brownie camps when I was a child you can go up to those forts and go um underground and have a look at the kind of weapons stores that they put in there um really really good day out we once started a whole battlefield tour to the Normandy landing places in a place just outside Portsmouth I'm remembering this now with a load of kids in the map room can you still get to that Sal the uh the actually it's actually got the map that the the commanding officers were sitting chewing their fingernails all day wondering if it was all going to work yes that may still be I think there's the um oh there's the Royal Marines um uh museum it might be in there I don't know I can't remember no, that it was out it was out in uh it was out of town it's yeah, anyway I'll try to look but yeah Mary Rose oh my goodness I, I got there for about 20 minutes can you believe about 20 years ago trying to go and get a ferry and vowed I'd go back and I've still never made it I, I remember that being lifted as well and do you remember that frame collapsing yes, as, yes. Oh, heart very, in the mouth job yeah, they yeah. thought they were going to lose it and for a very long time I did think the Mary Rose was made out of yellow metal 
that was what it was made of because that was all I could remember. Um, yeah. So and there's the if you go to see it now, I overheard a guy telling somebody this that the back of it is flat and um, where they had to cut the back of the, the like the end of the ship. I should growing up in Portsmouth should know whether that's the bow or the stern. Anyway, the end of the ship was cut off so because it was so stuck in the mud that they couldn't get it out. So eventually that will join it. But at the, for the moment, you've just got this kind of like sawn off bit at the end. So have a look out for that. okay right sticking on the coastline then you could get up to whitby in yorkshire and there is a museum with a freaky smuggler's hand go and find the freaky smuggler's hand as you are trekking up from york to whitby on a circuitous route with like all the abbeys and castles you could possibly want because of course it's all in yorkshire really anyway well what's so freaky about what what happened with the hand why is that why is that such an interesting hand well I don't know. It was just, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I can't remember. I'll have to go back. But it's deeply weird. It's all shriveled up. It's sort of um, carved and chopped. And um, and the idea was that if it was that the hand of a smuggler would protect um, some sort of protection. But it but it's all there. Mm. Actually, we're quite we're quite good into hands. We've got Mary Ward's hand in um, in the All Saints Museum, about five minutes from where I live as well. That's good. That's the Elizabethan Church. That's one that people don't normally go to in York. The uh, um, All Saints um, Blossom Street Bar Convent Museum. Oh. Anyway, come on, Rich, where else are you uh, going? Take I us just, national. I think that nationally, though, Britain has got such a wealth of history that we kind of take it for granted sometimes. And again, being in Bristol, one of the best things about being in Bristol is you can escape to Wales really quickly. And over the border, there's the most amazing history. And everybody around here always goes to Chepstow Castle because it's the big place. It's just off the motorway. And Chepstow Castle is amazing. However, it's better if you go up the way to Tintern Abbey. And Tintern Abbey is, honest to God, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. And if you've never been, go. So it has most of the, the abbey still there in this absolutely stunning valley with like beautiful woods above it, which in the autumn is amazing and it's it's just absolutely amazing and it's amazing walking i keep saying amazing but it really is because you walk around and you can just imagine the the monks being there and it's just got it's i I like visiting historical sites because i like the way that they you can think about being in the past and tinton abbey is one of the best places for that and if you ever go to tinton abbey there's an amazing i said it again sorry there's a really good walk if you go over the y and you can go up to the top of the ridge above which is up on offers dyke another layer of history and up on the top of the ridge above tinton abbey there's this is stone and the stone was called the devil's pulpit according to the monks because they used to think that that was where the devil would try and preach for them to come across the Y and leave the abbey it's a really eerie place it's a beautiful place and it's a place where you can really connect with that past. i love it oh i've never yeah i've never been there but it doesn't sound like it's too far away is it like it's a up, like a, yeah yeah it's 20 on itself it's 25 minutes in the middle of bristol oh fantastic it's really right. good go I'm coming down as well then, because for Do those it. of you coming up north in the summer as well, to put some, we're not we're not very far north up here in, in in York, despite what Rich will tell you. But if you get on the train just an hour further north of here, you get to Durham Cathedral. And for those of you that don't know Durham Cathedral, it is absolutely extraordinary. Um, it's a it's the only 
well, yeah, it's a huge Norman cathedral built as, as as a fortress on the rock. I mean, no wonder it's a UNESCO heritage site. Um, and in there, you've also got the graves of Cuthbert and Bede, for those of you that have done really early Anglo-Saxon stuff. But from Durham, you could easily make a really great holiday driving up um, or even cycling up for the really energetic towards Edinburgh. And then you go all the way up that coast and the castles, um, uh, places like Walkworth and... Um, onto uh, Holy Island, which is just you, you saying about um, atmosphere reminded me of Holy Island. There's, there's just nowhere like it. Um, and obviously you have to cross over to Holy Island at certain times because of the tides. So you have to check those before you you go. Um, but actually, it's really great if you can spend the night there or because then most people go home and uh, you just get to have most of the island pretty much to yourself, which is quite extraordinary. And then continuing up, obviously, past, past Berwick and through the through the Broadlands, um, you then get to uh, up to Edinburgh, which is, for those of you, again, that haven't been up to Edinburgh, obviously, an extraordinary city. I mean, capital. Um, but something I really enjoyed last time I went, it's a bit touristy, but I really liked it, was Mary King's Close, which is uh, tenement buildings, which are sort of, it's difficult to explain, but because the main, the Royal Mile falls away off the rock really steeply, um, buildings were built over the top of tenements, just using the first floor of the tenements. So when you now go into Mary King's Close, you go into what is a old street network, but above you it's dark because in Edinburgh they built really, really high buildings. So it's like they've just chopped off the, the top layer of the buildings, but left everything underneath. And the guides talk to you about what it was like to live in these really cram-packed streets of Edinburgh. And there's quite a lot of um, historians, I think, suggest that the reason that so many amazing sort of thinking and energy came out of Edinburgh at that time is because everybody was literally jam-packed on this rock, the really rich people alongside the really poorest people. Mm -hmm. Really, really creative, really interesting. Yeah, I went to I think we went to Mary King's Close. My mum and I went on a walking tour of that when we went to Edinburgh and I really enjoyed it. It was a really it was a really good bit, but hor horrible, like just so crammed, everybody so close together all the time. It it felt a little bit um, claustrophobic, but yeah, definitely yeah. I'd recommend. Um, and I'm going to go back to Wales for my national one. So um, last year I, I visited Llandudno a couple of times. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, on the North Welsh coast. And um, I went up there for a couple of days to work at a school that was up there. And um, when I had to go back um, a couple of months later, I went up a day early so that I could go to Conwy Castle. Because you can see Conwy Castle from the um, from the train. And it is just, it looks amazing from a distance. And it's even better when you get up close to it. It's a really, really good day out. I mean, I love the coast anyway, um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't, a, you know, a chore to have to go up there. But also in the town of Conway, there is a, a Tudor house there, um, which is also worth um, worth a look around. Um, my favourite thing about that was that they had a nice um, display of the coats of arms of the of the people that owned the Tudor house. And um, all, the arms are quartered with heads of murdered Englishmen. So, you know, you've got your like... <laughs> I don't know, your leaks on one corner and then three <laughs> severed heads in another corner. Just, you know, here is just to be really clear, this is what we think about English people over here. And so it's just, you know, really interesting place to go. Think bit of history I didn't really know very much about at all. Um, good day out. Yeah. I remember, I remember when you text you texted me a picture of that coat <laughs> of arms and it was amazing. I've never been up to that north bit of the coast though. I keep me like keep thinking I really want to. And it's it's weird in Britain because it's not very far to get to any of these places and but I never ever leave the southwest but I should do more because I think there's such a good history 
Yeah, and actually just made me think shockingly. With I hadn't ever been to Hardwick Hall, which is only about an hour and a half's drive from here until it came up on the um, GCSE syllabus a few years back. And it's absolutely fab. If you haven't been to Hardwick Hall, go. You know, just fantastically preserved. Never been. Tudor, Tudor uh, stately home. And it's in the Midlands, Rich. You don't even have to come north to go to Hardwick Hall. <laughs> Love that it. Is north. That is north. Yeah. Helen, let's talk international though. Where where would you recommend internationally? Oh, well, favourite museum at the moment. Okay, favourite bigger museum is the Solidarity Centre in Gdansk. Oh my God. Um, I love yeah, which is actually Danzig team, which is shockingly something I only realised a few years ago that Danzig and Gdansk are the same place. Oh my God. But the uh, Solidarity Museum, I know you've been there, Rich, haven't you? Is, uh, is just fantastic. Uh, well, it's nice to have a museum that tells a fairly happy modern story for a start, but also it's quite impressive because it would be quite easy to make that museum into a sort of homage to Lech Wałęsa and um, just talk about one man and a fairly narrow sort of part of the story. But it doesn't. It actually really gets into the fact that it was a complete team effort, really. There were loads of women involved in the striking. Um, it was absolutely massive. Um, they're even fairly, um, not sympathetic, but um, at least not one dimensional about General Yaroselsky, the guy that uh, ended up running martial law. So, yeah, just just fantastic. It's a triumph of style and substance, which is, is yes. Quite- quite unusual in a museum and do you know what solidarity really reminded me of as well and i love it because i think it really tells the story of community and camaraderie and working class people coming together and it was really reminiscent of of big pit in wales and if you've never been to big pit obviously big pit didn't have a revolution but really similar that story of a working class community coming together and its trials and tribulations solidarity is easily one of the best museums I've ever been to. Oh, but hang on, I need to go back national because you've just reminded me, if you haven't been to the National Coal Mining Museum, absolute must. Don a hard hat, get underground, shown round by ex-miners in South Yorkshire. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Dali, where are you going on tour? Well, I think my favourite history road trip that I've ever done was road tripping bits of the Oregon Trail in America. So I'm really lucky that my dad lives in America. Um, He lives in the southwest. So we go over there, we pick up camping equipment and then we can go out and camp. Um, So I think my favourite place that I've visited is around Donner Lake. So um, if you've taught American West, um, you will probably be familiar with the Donner Party and their tragic end. Um, And you can you can go and visit the Donner Lake Museum. Um, Funnily enough, they don't talk very much about the whole like eating each other stuff um, and they have <laughs> very nice statues and some very nice bronzes where you know these poor survivors um, are, are kind of spotting somebody in the distance um, but the nice thing about that is so first of all that gives you a, a, like a fantastic understanding of what it must have been like for them like it's not that easy to drive a car over there um, and thinking about bringing a, a wagon over with um, yeah, over where there, where there isn't a road, um, just it is mind boggling. And um, so there's there's you get that, and then you can also see quite a lot of the original um, uh, railroad um, to to kind of wander around. And there are bits where you can kind of park up and scramble up a hill, and you can walk down where the tracks were. You can still see um, the kind of blast holes in the wall where they drilled down and put the dynamite in to blow the to blow the mountain away, so that they could drive that original railroad through. And and they've still got kind of the stakes hammered into the wall as well, where they used to have, where they must have like been climbing up and down. And you just think like how did these people manage this I just 
Yeah, so I, I, I've done quite a bit of the sort of Californian side of it. What I'd like to do is drive east and go to places like Independence Rock, where the the um, kind of settlers were carved carved their names on the way. So the, it's called That'd that be because cool. yeah, they wanted to get there by Independence Day on the fourth of July, and they knew that if they did it by then, they'd probably make it before the winter hit. They'd probably make it to their destination. Um, so yeah, th- lots more to see. But um, you know, America's really well set up for that sort of thing. And they, you know, I think because they feel like they have less history, um, the, the kind of United States of America feel like they have less history than Europe. What history they do have, they preserve really, really well. So there's loads of kind of local history society plaques and monuments to these people and monuments to those people. So but yeah, I can definitely recommend uh, going there. And in fact, I have a little website link, uh, which I'll pop in the description of the podcast, but nps.gov slash Cali. If you go there, that's C-A-L-I. If you go there, it gives you the whole like 49ers gold rush trail information. Um, and you can have a look and, and yeah, and see if, if it's somewhere you'd like to go. What about you, Rich? I mean, unsurprising to you two again, I, I love Berlin and I think Berlin is one of the best cities in Europe because mm. I, I like the fact that there's lots of different layers of history again. I think it's got a really interesting Prussian past. I think it's got an amazingly interesting Cold War past. But the, obviously, as somebody that's very interested in the history of Nazi Germany, I think the history that you can see there of the Third Reich is quite stunning. I've been so many times now, though, that I, I, the places I really like going to in Berlin, if I'm honest, are the slightly more curious places. And if I was going to go back to Berlin again, and I probably will again this year at some point, the two places that I think reveal something really interesting about Nazi Germany. One is there's an amazing place down by Tempelhof, uh, old air, um, airport. And it's called the. Schf- I'm going to get the. I'm going to get the German wrong. Cause my German pronunciation is really terrible. Helen, don't judge me. It's called the Schwerbelastung Körper, and which means so in bad. German the heavy load load bearing body. Basically, when Hitler was going to build the new Berlin, um, the new Germania, Germany Berlin's built on sand. So he built this absolutely massive, massive, like size of a huge house lump of concrete. And you can go inside it and that sounds really boring, but it's really interesting <laughs> that this disused, derelict, massive Nazi lump of concrete is in the middle of what's pretty much a housing estate in South Berlin. Really eerie, brilliant. You can walk inside it. It's very weird. And the other place I love in Berlin, where we go every summer nearly, is Strombad Vanze. Now, Vanze is obviously really famous for being the Vanze Conference, which is where they decided the final solution. On the other side of the lake is the Nazi uh, Lido and Swimming Complex. Uh, so it's designed in 1929, 1930s. So it's a swimming pool complex on the lake. It feels very 20s, 30s. It has a very weird history, uh, the building itself, because it restricted Jews from using it in the 30s. And it's really weird because you're swimming in this lake where there's a water uh, a flume in the lake. So you can go down this slide. And as you go down the slide, you can see the house where they decided the final solution. It's a very odd juxtaposition. It's well worth a visit. It's really interesting. And it, yeah, it kind of makes you think. So water slides and history. That's yeah. A, and, that and, is a winning combination. And if I'm honest, water slides and Holocaust history. It's a very, very weird and and it just I just it makes you think and it makes you think about what was happening at that place at that time, 
and what's happened since because the Berlin Wall went down the other side of it as well. So mm-hmm. it's it's just it's a very odd place. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah. Like thinking about what you said at the beginning about how you you kind of feel the weight of history when you go to these places. That is what I like. Like who who walked here as well as me? Yes. I just I love yeah I love thinking. Oh. I've got the I've got the ultimate walking one, you know. I walked up uh, through f- from the Italian side up to really high, uh, nearly 3,000 meters, I think it is, um, towards the Similanhutter, which is where they discovered Ötzi the Iceman. Um, oh. And they know that he walked up that side, which is extraordinary, isn't it? Because they could find the larch pollen on him on his body. But if you if you ever find yourself in Bolzano, which is really nice place to to spend a bit of time there's a fabulous museum to Ertzi and all his kit and this is a a 5,000 year old ice mummy we still don't know exactly how ice mummification works but um, Ertzi was quite old for his time he's he's uh, he was in in his 40s I think he's brought forward the uh, date of the uh, bronze age in Europe as well because he had a a bronze axe but he had all his kit with him um and um so he even was carrying embers of fire in his quiver sorry in his um yeah in his quiver with his arrows and all of that survived including his bearskin um uh boots sort of like and um absolutely in his hat all sorts of extraordinary things and they're doing more and more sort of tests over the years as we get more knowledgeable about dna and they've found out you know he had the gap teeth but they also know he had a weak heart and they know what he had for his last meal and all of this is in this museum um it's absolutely fabulous and he's there in a big fridge uh and he's in italy (laughs) because they took him when they found him um high up in the high alps they originally took him to um innsbruck but then they did testing on him and worked out he must have come from what's now italy so over the top he went and he and he belongs to italy and they're fiercely proud of him but it's a fab museum and if you find yourself in that part of italy as well a bit further south in trentino um it is uh, for those of you that are world war one anoraks in trentino and the veneto absolutely extraordinary uh, world war one story you can get up into the um towards the glaciers where they were fighting in the mountains and to be frank mainly dying of disease and avalanches and miserableism i think rather than actually um too much big firepower but completely opposite um over in Veneto um where you get towards the Slovenian border and I think over a million men died at Caporetto it's just unbelievable and between that on the Asiago Plateau and you could literally walk to the end of the Asiago Plateau and even I can understand why it was really important militarily but you've got quite a lot of Commonwealth war graves up there because the um British army was so or the British uh, uh, was so uh, anxious that the Italians were going to capitulate at sort of beginning of uh, 1918 that they shored up um that part of the italian front so um vera britain's brother uh, edward britain's buried up there and it's a really oh. eerie place lovely and fabulous cheese really great <laughs> cheese as well history and cheese what history and want? cheese well it goes down well in our family a pint of beer and i'd be a happy man <laughs> Well, yeah, and this is these places all sound great. And in fact, I feel like I'm spoilt for choice for my summer holidays. I've got lots and lots of ideas. I think I have to going to have to start with the Solidarity Centre. That does yes. sound like an amazing museum. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we probably better stop there, haven't we? We could go yeah. on and on and on about this. But if people want to hear more about other places of visiting, if it's any use, you can let us know and we'll we'll, we'll find some more we've uh, yeah. been to. We sound extremely well travelled, but we're not. We're just quite old. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> <particularly> me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway good to talk to you all yeah you take care and nice thanks for guesting thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks rich <laughs> my pleasure thanks for asking